0: welcome back to the united podcast for your monday therapy session our monday has been ruined unfortunately but imad from man cave united has um been kind enough to join me to try and sort of get through this day because um, we thought going into this scene so much hope and optimism um imad we have been sort of we've crashed right back down to worth in um devastating fashion haven't we uh
1: we certainly have tom thanks for having us on by the way um <laughs> I quickly had to put my my psychiatrist phone number back to Speed Dial, so he's back on number one, top of the list. He thought he was going to get a a good a good break from me, but I've got to make that phone call.
0: <laughs> I think just to the look on both our faces there. We it's one of those ones if you don't laugh or if you don't. Um, laugh, you'll cry. And I, I think we've both just at the stage, almost gone past laughing and almost very close to crying. But it's just one of those ones where you do just not see the funny side of it because there is no funny side of it. But how else are you going to deal with it as a United fans? So if, if you are watching, please do leave a like on the video to do cheer us up. As I say, the link to Emad's channel, Man Cave United, is in the description below. So go give Emad um, and Adam a follow there and um, get all your thoughts in because there are a lot to discuss. Oh, my God. We've started to level performance, result, everything so do get all your thoughts in the comments below and we'll reply to as many as possible but Emma, talk with there in regards to your psychiatrist and look very well I do feel on the same page how wrong or right were we in regards to off the back of this preseason? now there were wild positives to the preseason and our negatives in regards to the transfer window and situations surrounding some players were we right or wrong to sort of have hope to, hope and optimism going into this match against Brighton or were we kind of getting what we expected. The last time we played Brighton, we lost 4-0. So are we going into this game? Should we have a right to believe we can beat Brighton? Because the evidence in the last couple of months says they're better than us.
1: Yeah, that's true. But I think I think for like, for people like you and I, and especially a lot of the um, Australian supporters who were you know a part of that tour down in Melbourne and the ones who visited Perth, I think we had every right to be hopeful. You know, last season's debacle sort of got put behind us when we saw the team live in person and we got to see players and obviously you got to meet a few of the players and then the performances as well in preseason, I think, you know, it's going to give you that, that optimism and that hope because the performances were good. The results were good in preseason. I think we only lost the one game and that was back against, um, Atletico in the preseason. So I don't think we were wrong in having that, that hope going into the first game last night. But I think what brought it, what brought me back down to earth wasn't just the result. I read something this morning. I can't remember who put it on Twitter. Was we have to remember that nine players out of that starting eleven yeah. were part of the same starting eleven and same side that led to our worst ever Premier League.
0: Well, so, yeah, I, I was talking to Rob last night on it's a football thing, and while there were new signings in there in regards to Martinez and Ericsson… And I'm happy with, and we'll get into performances that they're probably two players who sort of did yeah. actually okay by the rest of the team standard. It still felt like last year's team. And yeah. I don't know if that's lacking because it doesn't have that star strike or a new number six or that shiny new midfield, but it felt flat. It felt like last season. And a lot of that comes down from McFred, that combination of midfield, which we'll get into in a little bit. Well, what was the difference in regards you talk about preseason and the performances in preseason? Now, yes. Against the left or opposition, and maybe not as fit as opposition. We started maybe a week or two earlier than some teams. So, obviously, that's always going to play a part in performances and result in preseason. But the football was good in preseason. Take away Eric Tenhard, put him on um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, Ralph Frank, or Jose Mourinho in the dugout. And the camera never panned to who the manager was. It looked like the football over the last couple of years. And I'm just thinking, what what, what is the difference? Of Brighton just better, and we weren't able to implement that style. Did the players cave under pressure, which we have questioned this the this playing group and their mentality and dealing with pressure? And I'm just seeing what was the difference? For me, they kind of looked almost unfit, which is weird because they should be getting fitter. Yeah. And I just, they just looked flat.
1: I I agree with you there, like and which is surprising because they did they did start their preseason two weeks before before everyone else. Look, yeah. if any team can go back, <laughs> <laughs> if any team can go backwards after starting earlier, it's us. Honestly, look, What, what did of... you think of it?
0: We're we'll discussing the match before, before um, the team news was announced, and we're thinking, "Hang hey, on, well, what? The team's already at the ground, and this was three or three hours before <laughs> kickoff. Now, what did you think of that? Now, now, yes, we can have a laugh about it, but in regards to what, what the motive behind it was, Eric Tenha got everyone there early to have their team meal at the ground before the game. Fair play. If they're going to have it at the ground or at the hotel, they're still eating. I'm sure it's sort of very scheduled and sort of the the dietitians know exactly what they're doing in regards to what they're eating and when they're eating. However, my experience, and look, I never played at that level, of course, but I never like to get to a ground too early in regards to... to, to kind of gets tired and lethargic. You sort yes. of want to get there and get the job done sort of thing. And, look, some players might prefer that. Some players might prefer to sleep at the ground and have all day at the ground. I don't know. Everyone is different. But to me, it looked like, look, I don't want to be sort of too over the top and critical of, let's say, I'm going to use, unfortunately, Luke Shaw as an example. It looked like Luke Shaw just eaten lunch. Like It looked like he had literally just eaten it and wasn't ready for the game. Like, he looked flat, looked lethargic. Obviously, his body shape looked like he had just eaten and I'm just thinking... It, I don't think Eric Ten Hag is going to take him to the ground three hours early next week.
1: I agree with you. And um, not like I had any illustrious career e- either, but I hated getting to the ground early, especially that early. Like, yeah. And you're right. You, you do become you, you become tired. You become lethargic. You do just want to get there. Obviously, you want to get there maybe an hour, hour and a half tops before kickoff. You, know, you get changed, yeah. get your warm-up in, and then kickoff is there. Yeah. I did find it strange, but when you when you sent that message about the players turning up at the ground so early, I couldn't believe it. Um But you're right. And not to just single out Luke Shaw, but he he did. He, he looked like he just had lunch. And there's nothing worse than playing on a full stomach. You can't move. <laughs> <laughs> I've done it before, trust me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I've done it on plenty of occasions. Well we'll, we'll on, get mate. in the starting eleven and we'll, we'll, we'll start at the back because I, I think it's well, okay, David we can sort of discuss his performance if you'd like. But I don't think there's any issue with David De Gea. He was always going to play, rightly so. We can talk about distribution. I thought, he's, okay, it's not his strong point. It was fine. I, in my opinion, I know he's coming for a lot of criticism on one of the goals. Brighton with a better team. Brighton deserved to score more than two goals. So I'm not really fussed on David De Gea's performance. But um, feel free to pull up anything on that performance if you do want. But I'll go further forward into um, the defence the two central defenders, Maguire and Martinez, okay, ultimately um, conceded two goals. You think, okay, could do better, should do better, wasn't a great performance. Ultimately, my cr- criticism and f- frustrations aren't at those two. The fullbacks for me, and I thought Diego Delo was one of the best players on preseason. I, I was very impressed and yeah, also yeah. impressed under Ralph Rangick. So for, for a couple of months now, I think Diego Delo has done very well. He looked like Luke Shaw. He just just all over the place. Wifel, slow, unfit, not winning battles, like picking the wrong pass, and when he did pick the right pass, he was putting the wrong weight on it, and I just thought, hopefully, it's just an off day. Maybe that is what it is. It was an off day for everyone. Let's hope that's the case for the fullbacks. But just on those fullbacks, Luke Shaw and Diego Delo, woeful.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, in terms of Maguire and and Martinez uh, playing playing together for the first time. Yeah. yeah? So it's a senate look. In a, although, you know, Maguire come out after the game, and, and I hate, I just hate hearing how certain players speak after a game especially after a loss but he did say and i do agree with him it's his it's his first time partnered with him it is going to take time to build that partnership and rightly so but you're right the fullbacks absolutely shocking shock i we always knew the Gea was going to start we did call for martinez and and maguire i think i think it was hard Hard on Torrell Melasia not to get a start because I think mm. he wanted a start, especially after a good preseason. Sure didn't have the best preseason. And Diego Delo, I mean, he was caught asleep in that first 30 seconds.
0: Yeah, what that, that could, we could be having a very different discussion about yeah. Diego Delo? Yeah. He could almost be transfer listed if that went no. in.
1: <laughs> Trossard hits the side netting, you know. Yeah. Um and I think just I think for Delo just as an individual, that first 30 seconds, that just paved the way for the rest of his 90 minutes. Yeah, that definitely. His- and
0: that's where I come back, and I'm not blaming Eric Tenar for bringing the players to the yeah. ground early, but that is where I do think it just looked flat and lethargic at the start, and I'm, I'm not blaming on that. But for me, when you sort of overanalyze things as fans, that is one thing I'll point to. that Just from the whistle, literally the whistle, They weren't at it, and Diago Deleuze specifically. And look, fingers crossed it's an off day, and he puts in a good performance against um, Brentford. I'll fully back him to do so, but it's definitely concerning.
1: Oh, man, it it is because it was his big day at Old Trafford for Eric Ten Hag, even for the players, not just to focus on the manager, but it was a big day for the players because there's a lot of players in this squad who have to right the wrongs of last season. And there's seventy-five thousand yeah. people in the ground who are expecting you to right those wrongs, and they didn't. They didn't turn up. Now, credit to—I uh, I, did—I re- did read reports about there was some booze at halftime and full time. I couldn't hear them through, you know, my iPad. But Old Trafford was quite loud and supportive of um, the the side, from what I heard, for most of the game. Even yeah. Harry Maguire was getting chance, wasn't getting jeered or booed at the time. Yeah. So the, the crowd was backing him, but the boys just failed to deliver.
0: Well, you talk about players right and wrongs, and we'll move forward into the central two. And, okay, they didn't play as a, sort of the combination of two six next to each other, but you do throw them into the same discussion. McFred, and whenever you joined me on the podcast, Emad, sometimes he gets labelled the McPubcast because obviously we're big fans of Scott McTominay. <laughs> now, we talk privately quite often in our defence of McTominay. We both have very similar opinions on him as a footballer. fully accept he's not good enough for Manchester United in regards to the way he's been used. Our defensive Scott McTominay is of the -the over-the-top criticism and sometimes abuse that he cops compared to other players when the demand we place on players is, us fans and a lot of our listeners, the minimum demand is that work ethic and he's probably probably the only player last season who you sort of can't throw that sort of bow at. So that is why we defend him now as a footballer Obviously, his limitations were completely exposed in this match against um, Brighton, and that is why we do need to invest heavily in midfield. Now, what I would say, this is not a defense McTominay, because I thought he was woeful. I thought Fred was just as bad, and I think Eric Hag notified that as well by taking him off. Scott McTominay was on a yellow card. Fred was still the first player to come off, because I think Fred was absolutely, and again, hopefully an off day. Fred had a very good preseason. Hopefully, he can sort of bounce back, and I back him too. I- I'd love nothing more than that. It's just one of those ones. Some of the abuse I've seen Scott McTominay receive today is look not shocking because I fully expect it. But he's been blamed for this loss. Unfortunately, Fred was shocking. Just the combination. Let's just label it as it is, McFred. Same as last year. Here we are, 2022, or first game of the season. They're in there again. Ultimately, the same performance and same results.
1: Well. Look, there's no question that we have to strengthen and we have to invest in that midfield role. And like you said, our defence of McTominay isn't because of his ability or lack of. It's just because of what he does for the shirt. Now, I was not i was on Twitter. I can't remember if it was before full-time or just after, but I think I saw on my Twitter feed the same person just bang, bang, bang all in a row, all about McTominay, just giving him stick. Oh,
0: this guy who talks to me... Um... He doesn't follow me, but he um, he always replies to my tweets. Or so he's googling me, or typing me in a Twitter, and always replies. And I went on to his account. It's dedicated to Scott McTominay. It's just every tweet is about Scott McTominay, and the, the hatred is directed towards him at the moment. Harry Maguire copped it a little bit last season. Bruno Fernandes, Davide Have copped it at times. Unfortunately, for McTominay's sake, looks like it's going to be him this season, or for the first couple of weeks, unfortunately. And I'm just thinking. Yeah, it, it is one of those. And McTominay is a huge issue. In that. Again, not him personally, but the idea of Fred and McTominay in that midfield. Yeah. When you see whether Frank Young wants to be at Man United or he doesn't, when you see world-class quality out there and what that could sort of benefit United, how that could benefit United. That that like, Gary Neville spoke after the game, and, and he got it bang on, in my opinion. He's not looking at the manager. He's not even looking at players now. He said, Fred and McTominay, not even looking at them, not even going to criticise. It's not their fault. Okay, if you and I Ayman were then, we got asked to play for Man United. We would play. We're not good enough, but we would do it. That's what Fred and McTominay are doing at the moment. You have to look past the individuals and say, why are they put in that position? And that, for me, is upstairs and the recruitment.
1: Yeah, look, and you know, you know, my thoughts on, on obviously directing criticism solely at the board, but I will agree with you this time around, Tom, because. It has been a position that's needed to be strengthened for quite a, uh, quite a while, and we haven't. Now, in terms of, I think, had the lineup been different, I think Fred and McTominay would have been okay in, in yesterday's game. But I think there was too much asked of them yesterday against Brighton to have. Uh, Bruno playing a bit further uh, wide and left, and uh, sorry, Ericsson and and Bruno swapping around in that false nine, and then you had Rashford and Sancho up front. I think that left both Fred and McTominay quite exposed, um, and and there was it was too much for them. And I know they they probably couldn't do it on their best day, but it was probably just too much for them. It was they were just overrun in the park, in the middle of the park. We were overrun all over the park, but just obviously that's going to highlight the midfield so much because that's the engine
0: room is, is that a, maybe a good thing now it's frustrating no one wants to lose a few of us are having a discussion earlier is it a good thing in regards to could the board wake up and, and take action now we'll, we'll get into a name a little bit later in regards to a potential new striker which i'd love to get your thoughts on but in regards to midfield is it a good thing or potentially a bad thing could we see a panic signing could we see man united pay over the odds or go over the top in regards to trying to address this issue, not so much address the issue which needs doing, but almost address the fans by giving us something if, new. If
1: it's a if it's a panic signing with a top class player or paying over the top, or even biting the bullet and saying to Barcelona, hey, "We're gonna we're gonna pay Diong's wages just to bring him here," hmm. then it, it, does it fix the problem in terms of what the fans want, or does it fix the problem in terms of what the club is? currently trying to do because we're trying to we're trying to stem away from that, you know, paying overs and paying big wages for players. But then you look at yesterday's game and yeah. you you we need a Frankie Dion. Well you know
0: I mean? where, do you, where do you sit on that at the moment in regards to because there are those okay we have a issue right in front of our face in regards to the football on the pitch and we've got three points to win next week in against Brentford. But ultimately if we make the wrong decision which might get us that result will be pay, paying for it in three or four years' time when that deal doesn't sort of work out. So where do you sit at the moment with frustration and emotion high? Let's say Frankie de Jong, let's say that one specifically. Are you paying over the odds to get him in now or are you still sort of looking at the bigger picture?
1: I'm, I'm not paying overs for Frankie because, and you know my thoughts on this already and my feelings about this, the player, he doesn't want to come. Yeah. If you don't want to beat the club, and this goes for everyone. I feel the same way about Ronaldo. I feel, I'll feel the same way about every player that does not want to be at United. If you don't want to be there, don't, then don't come and or, or leave if you're already there. I don't care. But we need to, I think, I think where we've gone wrong with the Frankie situation is that we've wasted so much time on him.
0: I think I think that's a huge thing in regards to, I think United and, and a line came out from United saying they're a little bit baffled at the criticism directed towards them in regards to not getting this deal done. Now, I show no sympathy to the board. However, I do have to show a little bit of sympathy with Man United in regards to this De Jong situation. United have put a bid in for Barcelona. Barcelona have accepted the bid. Yeah. It's Frankie De Jong one of these. Wait- what can right. United do about that? Now, what they can do about it is move on if they don't if move on to another target. That is what they can do in regards to the specific deal with Frankie De Jong and Barcelona. I don't think Man United can do any more.
1: I agree. I agree. They can't do any more. It's it it solely lies on on Frankie. Now, he's told them from day one he doesn't want to go there. Now, whether that be maybe he's just saying that because he wants his money, or maybe he genuinely doesn't want to come. Yeah. And if that's the case, we should have moved on. That's where I'm going to put a bit of blame on, on Ten Hag and the board because, okay, the guy's told you for months, he does not want to come. Let's go find someone. But anyway, I I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to digress too much on, on a transfer that may or may not happen because there's still so much to one pack from this game and we haven't even, we haven't even touched the surface.
0: Well, we'll go a little bit further forward. We'll touch on the attacking plays before we sort of maybe, as I said, have to scrape the bottom of the barrel for um, the first 3-2-1 votes of the season. But further forward, and we'll just throw, I think, everyone into this discussion in regards to Ericsson, and Bruno and the two wide plays in Jaden Sancho and Marcus Rashford. Just your thoughts. For me, as I said, look, Bruno Fernandes puts that chance early in the first five minutes. Different game. Obviously, that is going to be the case. No matter. because obviously didn't go in. And ultimately, then after that, that, 10 minutes onwards, I know this sounds simple and stupid. It looked like we were playing without a striker. Now, I know there is a situation, which is why our striker was on the bench. Um, Agree with that or disagree with that, that was the fact that he was on the bench. So we were playing with that false nine situation. And again, that is where I look at it. And yes, we can look at the Ronaldo situation. Does he want to be here? Doesn't he want to be here? Is Bruno Fernandes a false nine? Is he an attacker midfield? Ultimately, plan B in Anthony Marshall was injured. So there was nothing else to come off the bench. Like Eric Ten Hag, there was no right decision in regards to what he was going to do up front. Play Ronaldo while well, you're playing someone who's unfit, you're playing someone who doesn't want to be there. You put him on the bench or well, you're playing Bruno Fernandes or Christian Eriksen in the outer position. So there was no right answer, in my opinion, for Eric Ten Hag. His hands were tied, unfortunately, and that is why... Maybe one or two questions around Eric Ten Hag, but who am I to question? He's obviously got far more knowledge than me, but I do feel for him because Bruno Fernandes and Eriksen, as you say, they were sort of, sort of chopping and changing who was sort of taking up that position, and it just... It didn't work, especially with the sort of the no fluidity in midfield. That was especially yeah. impacting. There was no fluidity in the front three.
1: Look, I, uh, you said there was no right or wrong answer to what he was going to do. Obviously, with the whole situation, without having a striker and Ronaldo being on the bench, but I think it could have been a di- couple of different combinations that could have he could have tried rather than playing that false line.
0: With oh, you yeah, you I- could play. Look, I don't like Marcus Rashford through the middle, but that was the ov- obvious one for me. Yeah. Play Marcus Rashford through the middle, whether it be Langer on the right, Sancho on the left. I think just players in there more... You, you want Bruno Fernandes and Ericsson sort of deeper on the ball and oh, make oh, so things you
1: happen. So you and I spoke before before kickoff and b- before the game and we said, you know, who's going to start in that midfield? We didn't expect both... or we did and we didn't, so to say, McTominay and, and Fred to start we said one of them should start yeah. we, we would have liked to see bruno and Erickson playing that role together uh, just in front of fred and then you could have gone with the rashford through the middle you could have gone like or pre-season he's been bringing diallo off the bench playing him through the middle
0: yeah
1: and rashford out wide and sancho on the on on the right so there was a few different combinations that i, I think he probably should have gone with playing this false nine that we haven't seen all pre-season yeah. i think was the wrong was the wrong choice but I don't know. We can't. Take it's, it's, it's
0: one of those ones in terms of we're talking about the difference between pre-season and when three points is up for grabs on the line at Old Trafford. Yeah. Again, they had nothing at all against Ten I absolutely love the guy. It was a nice welcome to Premier League football. Um, he knows he's in a job now.
1: A hundred percent. And I think hopefully, and he looks like he does have the spine and the backbone to deal with this kind of thing. But yeah. opening day, Old Trafford, seventy-five odd thousand people. Yeah, it's a wake-up I
0: think it was um, our last Dutch manager in Louis van Gaal. His first game, I think, was a 2-1 loss at Old Trafford. Um, So, last Dutch manager. I think we lost 2-1 at home to Swansea. Would have been the start of the 14-15 season. So, um, is that an omen? I don't know. Well, Louis van Gaal won a trophy. So, if Eric Tenard gets a trophy, um, I don't care. um,
1: As long as they don't sack him after winning it.
0: Would you put it past this club?
1: (laughs) Uh, I'm being positive this year, Tom. Leave
0: me alone. Well, speaking of positive, um, as I said, if you are watching, please do leave a like on the video to cheer us up, and we are going to do our best. Now, I don't know if this is going to result in points. I didn't really discuss this before, and I haven't discussed it with Larry. Three, two, one votes. Um, if anyone is new to the podcast this season, what we do even after disappointing losses—maybe not the five nils against Liverpool's and four nils against Liverpool's—or that humiliating defeat against Manchester City. Maybe we don't give points for those. But even in disappointing games, we will do our best to sort of give out 3-2-1 um, player of the game um, votes and it will accumulate the tally over the season and award a winner at the end of the season. David De Gea was a clear winner last season. And, just, and the 3 two ones ones not so much sometimes they can be man of the match or sometimes there can be a moment which sort of stands out, which can someone, sometimes get someone three points, et cetera. Now, there were no standout moments. There were no standout performances. However, the three names I would throw to you if you were, sort of want to juggle them around in order who weren't woeful. Now, is that enough to get three points in the podcast voting? I'm not sure. Maybe it is given the situation we're in. But the three players I thought, yeah, not, not as bad as everyone else, was Martinez, Christian Eriksen and Harry Maguire.
1: Are you going in that order?
0: I would say, for me, uh, if look, if Martinez gives away that penalty, I'm having a different discussion about his performance. What, is, what very, are your
1: thoughts on that? Do you reckon
0: the penalty? If I'm a player, that, that's Upset a penalty. Yeah. Yeah, it was a push. In the, it was in the back. If it, yeah. that action to the shoulder, no no issue. Um, I think Danny Welbeck got in front and it was in, in the back. If that was at the other end of the field, I'd be screaming for a penalty. So I think yeah, Lissandro Martinez is very... Um, something I could see Eric Bay doing. So if I'm going to criticise him for that, I have to criticise Martinez for that. But overall, other than that, I thought his performance was fine. Unfortunately, in terms of his stature, he's coming in for a lot of memes and he's going to have to deal with that online. Hopefully he stays away from it. But um, he's become sort of that joke already um, online because of his height. But in regards to the order, I think Christian Eriksen, while not, I don't think Christian Eriksen was great or good or anything. I just think he showed a little bit of quality. He he was trying to make things happen. Now, they weren't happening for him or the team. But there was a time where, obviously, when McTominay and Fred both came off, he came and played in the number six position. I think that highlights a lot of issues that Eric Ten Hag has, that his number 10 is having to come back and dictate play. And so I'm not going to criticise Eriksen for that. But I thought he tried to make things happen. He was, okay, we're 2-0 down. Let's try and get a goal. So, I, I did sort of appreciate Christian Eriksen's um, performance and sort of intent. In regards to Martinez and Maguire, as I said, I just think the fullbacks either side of them were woeful. I don't think De Gea stood out. The midfield in front of him were, in front of the two defenders, were woeful. And the forwards, there was nothing to write home about in regards to Sanchez, uh, Sancho or Rashford. So, I'm looking at three players. Thought, especially in the second half, I thought Maguire did okay. I wouldn't say captain's performance, but he sort of got in, in one of his duels sort of thing and it showed a little bit of fight. And um, tell me if I'm wrong, though. I'm happy not to hand out points after disappointing defeat at Old Trafford, but trying to you get know, off the season in I a positive don't know how you,
1: I don't know how you and Larry actually do try to hand out points after a loss. I honestly can't. But I, I can't disagree with, with the players you've you've mentioned. I do think, although the team as a whole were pretty poor, but I do think though they, they were the best of that bunch. So, you know, and in no particular order, I, I couldn't even know how to how to put them in order. Who who to give three points to? I, I don't know, but I won't steer away from Ericsson, Maguire and and Martinez. Uh,
0: I think in terms of what I saw from Ericsson, and again, I don't think he played fantastic, but the job he was asked to do, and he was asked to do three or four different jobs. Maguire and Martinez had the same job the whole game. Christian Ericsson started as a striker, then had a number 10, had a stint down wide, came into number six, all in all for a sort of turbulent debut. I think Christian Ericsson did quite well. So I'll give him the three points and... In the spirit of sort of new signings, let's um, give Martinez the two and Captain Fantastic, Slabhead himself, um, the one point to um, get his campaign off and running. So um, we'll go those for the 3 two ones. Do let us know your thoughts in the comments below if you agree with those or disagree. But we will do our best to um, keep that continuation throughout the season. Now, if we lose 4-0 at Brentford, it might be a little bit tougher to do, but um, fingers crossed we can get some more positive results. Now, is there anything else in regards to the game before we sort of move on to yeah. one or two other things?
1: Yeah, just um, so just on that team selection in, in general. So those other options I was speaking of, and the other combinations I was talking about that he could have gone with, you know, by playing Rashford through the middle or or Diallo through the middle, and maybe giving Elango a start with Rashford through the uh, playing up front. This is why I wanted to see Eriksen and Bruno playing together so much because we all expected that low block from Brighton, yeah. and that's exactly what they what they implemented. And they hit us on the counter with these. But yeah. to to have Eriksen and Bruno, you know, switching, switching around, playing the false nine and not having the bodies in the box or that option up front or even having Ronaldo up front to, to whip a ball into.
0: There's so many times. That, and and Bruno picks up that space quite often, but Eriksen found himself in there quite often as well. So Luke Shaw at times, Diago De Deleuhe, and the times he got forward. As I said earlier on in the show, it looked like we we're playing without a striker. And yeah. so many times now I understand Ten Hag's not a manager to be sort of asking people just to sort of lump balls into the box. But so often we got in a position where if you whip across in here to a striker, he's got a decent yeah. chance of getting on the end of this. And the stri- the person on the ball was just, oh no, Ronaldo's not there. I'll cut back. I'll try to find another yeah. sort of avenue. And if you're trying to come back in through midfield and your two options trying to find passes there at McTominay and Fred, you're probably not going to find the way through. So the ball finds it back up. Self out wide and then well the cross isn't on and Torinson repeat. There was one in the first half and I think everyone agrees
1: Delow had the ball and I, th- I think we had bodies in the box and he he had so much time just to whip one in and then for yeah. some for some reason he just looked square and, and played it off and then there was that one in the second half fantastic ball by Bruno he's whipped the hell out of this ball into the box it's gone over everyone and Rashford has hit yeah. it first time on the volley and it's gone over. So I think th- other than those two or other than that cross and Bru- and Bruno's miss, uh, I think we lost our creative spark or we couldn't yeah. create enough chances. And I think not having a proper number nine was the reason for that, that highlighted that. So we were getting ourselves into these positions, like you said, but nothing come of it because there was no one to hit. Yeah.
0: Well, on number nine, we'll move and we'll tie Ronaldo into this discussion. Obviously, he's one of the nines, and obviously the talking point around the club. I think, I think, Emma, and I, we discuss it quite a bit. I think we have very sort of similar beliefs or similar views on the Ronaldo situation, but it sort of have different ways of also looking at it. I'm just thinking the situation at the moment in regards to yes, he wants wants to move out, but at the moment the way I see it, and you're happy to move him out, and I am content if he is replaced. However, at the moment, it looks like. The replacement is injured in Anthony Martial. Anthony Martial is plan B. He's not fit, so I can't rely on Anthony Martial, unfortunately, at the moment. It looks like from fairly reliable sources that Marko Analtovich is the option for 8 or £9 million. um, I think he's playing over in Bologna. Now, we can get into one or two allegations. Well, they're not even allegations. They're quite proven in regards to racism and Marko Analtovich. Is that someone we want to be welcoming to Old Trafford? I don't think so. In regards to his age, like it sort of reeks of the Igalo deal. Obviously, a player going over to China. He's coming back to Europe at 33 years old. Has he failed in the Premier I don't think he's failed in the Premier League, but he's just sort of yeah, average Premier League striker. I think, okay, fair enough. If Eric Tannehill wants that type of player, I think fair enough. But if the, in my opinion, I can get on board with getting rid of Ronaldo. Ronaldo, you don't want to be here? Go. If the option or if the replacement is Marco Anatovic and he's the answer to replace Ronaldo's goals, I can't.
1: Yeah, I, I can't accept that. I, I, I can't accept I, that. No, I'd take, I would take issue with that as well. I, I would take issue with that as well because that, for me, screams of panic. That's a panic buy if I've ever seen one. To, yeah, I, look. As much as not that I want Ronaldo out of the club, out of like hatred or anything. Just as I said earlier, if you don't want to beat the club, then leave. Oh, I'm happy with that. But I'm not going to go and replace him with Marco and for me, for how me, that, how that much
0: weight week. do you put on in regards to a fan? We have sort of perceptions of players and we see an Anatovic as this Stoke player or West Ham player or player from China. what We see maybe this Tesco, he looks excited, maybe he's better sort of thing. We have these perceptions of how we view football through YouTube, through Twitter, through social media and... Um, the manager views football differently. He's not he's not fussed about that. He's worried about specific jobs on the field. Here he is, as much as we criticise and a lot of people hate Scott McTominay. He's picking Scott McTominay over Donny van der for a reason. Now, we don't like those reasons as fans, but the managers view football differently. So could he view Marco Aneltovic and say, he is better than Ronaldo for water? I mean, now, I can't agree with that. But are you going to – should we accept it? Now, I know we should accept it. Ultimately, we are sort of form opinions as fans. Okay. Should we, we be know, accepting
1: – Yeah. How do we know that, that it was, you know, that it's his view or or it's his signing? You know, we've questioned so many managers in the past over certain signings saying, oh, that's not a Ollie signing. That's yeah. not a Jose signing. That's a club signing. That's a Woodward signing. So we never really know if that signing was a target that the manager wanted. Yeah. I Look, from what we've seen, so look. It wouldn't surprise me if it is a Ten Hag signing or if it is someone that he's looking at because you look at what he the, done. The profile I- of
0: Stryker in terms of you obviously compare him to Sesko, who I haven't seen play, but obviously I'm sure everyone has watched YouTube yeah. videos of it. You can understand Ten Hag. that is, It looks like that type of profile of Stryker yeah. he's got. And to. I was also
1: going to mention uh, Sebastian Haller at Ajax. Yeah. He took him there yeah. as well. Uh, same sort of profile, same sort of physique on the guy as well. He's big, he's, he's bulky, he's a tall lad. I, you just don't know, Tom. You just don't know. I think the perception with our because we've seen him in the Premier League before, and we know where his career has gone and what it, and what's become of it. I think that we can easily just poke the stick at it and go, "Oh, well, that's a shit signing." Had he been, you know, in the German league like like yeah. Cesco, and we've never heard of him, and we yeah. just YouTube a two minute compilation and see him banging in goals, we've all become experts on the guy, and we want to bring him over. Yeah, but I think I think the age. And, you know, the fact that we already know his history, his career his career history, I think that plays a big part and I think that's why fans wouldn't be on board with it.
0: Do you think I was having a discussion earlier with a mate in regards to, and not in regards to bringing him back to the club, but in regards to the Mason Greenwood situation and what unfolds there and what, how will the club act um, if he becomes a footballer again? And that is another debate. In regards to, and again, these are sort of allegations, but there are sort of proven sort of photos and sort of interviews that sort are of out there in regards to anatovich's be behaviour off the field or some of this was on field in regards to some racist behaviour. Look, I understand football's football football. We, we need a good footballer. At the moment, we're losing games because we don't have a good enough sort of striker in there. And I'm just thinking at the moment, with the limited knowledge I have, I would have to do a little bit more research to find how sort of reliable and how sort of accurate those reports are. I'm not comfortable at the moment in bringing an Naltovich in to person. Forget about the football.
1: Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. And to be honest, if those allegations are true, and really if, if there's allegations of any sort of racism or crime in general, I don't think they should be allowed to play. There's a reason why these players are taking the knee before the game.
0: or well, yeah, especially from Man United's point of view, or the Premier League of Man United's point of view, it's a disaster PR-wise.
1: Yeah, I, I could have sworn I, I read somewhere before the kickoff of the new season that players and everyone have agreed to stop taking the knee.
0: I think they're going to do it before specific oh, games. Like, okay, the first game, the last game, and maybe a few sort of big yeah, rounds sort of thing. There'll be designated rounds.
1: Yeah, probably I didn't read too much of that. I just read that, you know, they were going to stop doing it. But we've seen every team do it round one, match day one. I can't see, you know, you do get you certain players who don't do the knee. Yeah. for whatever particular belief system or whatever it is. They just don't do it. But I, I can't see how we can bring a a, a player into a, to our club with mm-hmm. those kind of accusations or, or allegations anyway and not yeah. proven, but then we can't play Mason Greenwood.
0: Yeah. No, it, it's definitely do get your thoughts in the comments below in regards to the Inaltavit situation, both the footballer and the um, off-field issues surrounding him. But just before we do wrap up, Imad, we'll sort of, have a bit of a look because the premier league football is back um, a couple of days ago I was saying thank god it's back now we're saying unfortunately it's returned <laughs> so, <laughs> the life of a man united fan but we will look around right the there. grounds and just unfortunately all our top four rivals won um maybe you can put liverpool in a top four battle and they um, drop points but i do look at the latter emad we're only three points off top so it's not a crisis as of yet um arsenal won they um I don't, apparently crystal palace played quite well in arsenal but Professional job, uh, very uh, sort of unArsenal Arsenal like.
1: Yeah, very un Arsenal like. But, and I think, I think pre season has just gone to show that we can't, we cannot count on any of these performances that we've seen because yeah. match day, it's a different kettle of fish. And match day one, although they got the points, but was it the Arsenal performance that they performed against uh, Chelsea when they slapped them? It wasn't. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think everyone gets a, gets a hall pass for match day one. Oh, yeah. It's you very know? early.
0: It's one of those things. Um, as I said, I was speaking to Rob yesterday. Well, one of the great opening day for opening day fixtures for me was 2-2 against Leicester City in 1998. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to yeah, say we're well, going to go and win a treble, but um, yeah, draw at Leicester. Seemed That's like a the crisis of the
1: Hope and optimism, Tom. 21 is coming. I can't wait.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, Fulham and Liverpool, this is an interesting game in terms of, okay, 2-2, and you think, okay, sometimes that happens throughout a season. I don't think Liverpool will be losing too much sleep over it at the moment. What I take, I don't know, if because we've obviously got Liverpool in a few weeks, so you do have to start looking at them and how you can approach that game, and I'm sure Ten Hag is doing the same, but the reason I bring this game up is Fulham took it to them. It, like In terms of so many teams sit back against Liverpool and pressure ultimately pays, I think Fulham showed if you get at Liverpool, they're vulnerable.
1: 100%. Probably match of the round, too, um, from what I've seen so far. It was actually a very good game to watch. Um, I've always said, you know, if you're one of these lesser teams, especially a newly promoted team, if you're going to just sit back and let the likes of Liverpool or your cities come at you, they're going to slap you for four, five, yeah. possibly even six. I love nothing better than seeing teams, especially the lesser teams, go toe-to-toe with the big boys because, ultimately, it will get you a result. May not be three points
0: in in a couple uh, of weeks' time. United at Old Trafford against Liverpool. How do you approach that off the back of sort of maybe us not being as confident and Liverpool being Liverpool? Did, uh, you, did, you, did you find a happy balance there in regards to a little bit of both, or do you go all out and sort of do what Fulham did?
1: Yeah, I I go all out. I play to win I, I, and, and I'm sure Ten Hag, he's always said it from every press conference we've heard. I so actually, something. I suppose
0: last time we played Liverpool, we beat them 4-0. So, exactly.
1: Yeah, Why not? Yeah, so we already won up on them. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we won the Bangkok Cup and yeah. we'll take that. Um, so Ten Hag has said in every press conference, he plays to win. If yeah. we see, Look, if we play anything like we did last season against the likes of Liverpool and City, it's going to be embarrassing and it's we're not going to achieve anything this season. We have to go toe to toe with these big boys. look Liverpool have lost Thiago now through injury How long he's out for? I don't know but he, I know we come off that um, come off the game there against Fulham with an injury. Mm. I don't think that big donkey they have up front is any kind of threat. he's terrible to watch.
0: I wasn't impressed. Uh, and look, no. ultimately, he sort of thing, technically, he got, got a assist, sort of thing.
1: He got a yeah. goal and assist, and it was the arsiest goal and assist you'll ever see.
0: That was an own that was I don't know how he got credited with that. That was an own goal.
1: Oh, uh, if, you, if you, there's a an angle. Yeah, there. it, it does uh, hit him last. No, uh, <laughs> Not for me. And the assist is even worse than his actual goal. So. <laughs> So,
0: well, you speak about a striker like that, and obviously, maybe sort of a category above. But in regards to the last sort of game, I do want to. I saw Tottenham obviously got a very good win against Southampton as well. But the yeah. other game played just after us was Manchester City and Erlen Haaland. He's hit the ground running. Uh, we thought, oh, it might take a while. And again, a lot of that was hope in regards to he might have a slow start. But um, two goals. And the second goal for me just looked like, oh, okay. Yep. That's that, how they're that, going to play. That's what you want from a striker.
1: That word you said, he hit uh, running. That boy can run. Yeah. He looks like a bull who is, <laughs> <laughs> has taken some sort of uh, <laughs> some sort of drug, and he was off to the races. That second goal, yeah. I was read somewhere. Someone wrote, "He goes. How does he look faster now than what he did in the in yeah. the Bundesliga, mate? That guy's scary. He's <laughs> I <don't>, he, he's <laughs> a scary. You're so me. already."
0: To have him I mean, on your side.
1: And, like, City play great football as it is, and yeah. that hurts to say, but they do play beautiful football.
0: I, th- I think are- that goes, so just a minute ago, you were talking about how to approach the Liverpool game. I think it would be fascinating how teams approach City now because you don't want to leave that space for Haaland, so you're going to have to drop off. But then you talk about it, if you drop off as against should, teams look, like that. As
1: you know. soon as McTominay was last night, he starts that game against City and he puts and break his, his, his leg. In, Yeah, and that's how you approach that
0: game. <laughs> <laughs> we, we laugh, we have a bit of banter, but, but I think that is crucial against teams who are better than you. I've been in a position where you come up against better teams; you do have to match it with them. If you can't compete like that, unfortunately, it is a case where you do have to go and Correct. kick them but off. Against
1: the pitch. that, that's right, kick them off. But I just want one bloke there doing that.
0: I don't. Oh, yeah, man, I don't. I don't need six not red cards, but yeah, yeah not it needs to, to be say, tactical. Not,
1: not to say that we played with two sixes last night, but I don't want to see these two types of players. Yeah. Play. I don't think. I think that style's gone. That combination, that formation's gone. No other team does it. Why we continuously play with two players in that position, I don't know. But for those games against the likes of Liverpool and City, just put either Fred or McTominay in there just to kick the shit out of people and let the other boys do uh, do the fancy stuff. And I think that's how we get the result.
0: No, couldn't agree more. In regards to that, and we'll do a um, Brighton, oh, sorry, Brighton and Brentford preview in a couple of days' time, a little bit closer to kickoff. But just looking ahead to that, just as we wrap up, does Eric Ten Hag, does he hit the panic, not hit the panic button transfer-wise, so but in regards to the tools he has at his disposal, does he do anything drastically before the Brentford match or do you think he just goes, oh, look, it was one of those days? Or how do you think he views the defeat?
1: Uh, I don't think he would take that lightly, That that loss. Because I don't think they they didn't implement anything that we've seen so far in the preseason. The press to me seemed half-assed. Where in preseason it was full throttle and we pressed well. High line was was played well. I just think.
0: Do you think we missed defensively? I'd say this. Do you think we missed Anthony Marshall more than we probably thought we would?
1: Yeah, I think that hole in that uh, in that striker position really hurt.
0: Because I, mean, I think Marshall and people question—I don't question his work rate, but I can understand uh, why people question yeah. his work rate. I think it's—I he think like, he's smart. He's intelligent in terms of the way he presses. I know some people might sprint and they throw in a slide tackle, and okay, that's how you want to press. Well, no, a lot of it's just smarts. I think Anthony Marshall. I'm not saying he's perfect in that role and the way he defends, but I think he's very intelligent. I think where we saw our best press in with Anthony Martial.
1: Yeah, like working hard doesn't necessarily mean you're doing good. Hmm doesn't necessarily mean you're doing a good job just because you're working yeah. hard. Like to, You need to, you know, the saying is work smarter, not harder. Yeah. And that's what Martial does. He picks his moments and he picks his times when to press and we saw that press in the preseason how effective it was for him against Liverpool. He pressed on his own, got the ball, jagged the goal. You know, that's what we need. And I did think we missed Martial last night um, in that starting eleven. Looking forward to this Brentford game. You know, I think Ten Hag... He's gonna have his eyebrows up looking at that Brentford result because they were down 2-0. Yeah. And come back again. And I know it's Leicester, but you know, not not, not being disrespectful to Leicester, but 2-0 down and they've come back to two all.
0: Now, and my main question ahead of this Brentford, you just mentioned Brentford there. Down. Yeah, no, no, it's a fair point. But my main point just sort of to wrap up the podcast, we are playing Brentford. Now, if you do look at kits, we're obviously not going to wear red because they have red in their kit. Our away kit is white. We're not going to have the white kit, obviously, away at Brentford. So we will need a third strip, which has to be unveiled this week. Emad, you buying this green kit?
1: Mate, I'm buying the green kid. I'm buying the long how, how do United there?
0: approach this unveiling in regards to they, they would have wanted to do this after a positive result? Now there is obviously a down feel and Now they're going to, to throw this new kid out there with all the players smiling in it. And um, it's not the kit to sort of be promoting when fans are on your back.
1: The PR, the admin guy at United, we know, and I don't want to use a certain language here, but he just does not care. Yeah. You know, F's given with that guy. He doesn't care <laughs> what's going on in the world of it. He will post just random stuff <laughs> that have nothing to do with what we've just gone through but and he, i'll probably check Twitter now and he's posted some throwback to yeah. some crap just to you know silence everyone but i don't know i just don't see them giving a shit about about yeah. that oh, no, no.
0: and, and they, they won't they won't but what, one thing they will give a shit about is team viewer has said they won't be renewing their sponsorship in a couple of years correct. yeah i read that they've lost so money if- Oh, so the backlash, obviously, and that is, I think, one of the benefits in regards to how some of these approaches online. I don't think they're going to have sort of immediate impacts, but um, there has been a backlash against Viewer and their and their product, sort of thing, off the back of their involvement with United. Now, someone else is going to jump at the opportunity, and they're going to pay a lot more than TeamViewer to get on the Man United shirt. But um, ultimately, it is going to be sort of a bit of a eye opener to the Glazers and the board. And look, it will be interesting. And obviously, the mm. protest seemed.
1: Surprisingly, the glazers were at the game.
0: Yeah, I saw that. I, th- I think he went there hoping. Okay, this will be a. I don't know how he got into the ground. Who maybe he came no, three hours know. earlier with the team. I was saying the same
1: thing. The balls on this guy to, cut, to yeah. turn up unbelievable, but I don't know, man. Team viewer, they're going to pull the pin. Then, like you said, someone else will jump on board. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, we get some oil money coming in. <laughs>
0: We, we might need, if you look at the successful teams at the moment, it does seem a good strategy to go down. But as I said, um, thank you everyone for joining us. Come on 15 minutes, but it has been good. A little bit of a therapy session Therapy session on a Monday. So I do appreciate Emad joining us. As I say, he's on Man Cave United. There is a link in the description. Um, go give them a follow. I'm sure um, Emad and Adam will be having their views as well. Post match, and obviously looking forward to the Brentford match. And um, as I said, if you do appreciate it, please do leave um, a like on the video and if you subscribe if you are new, so you're notified when we go live. This was obviously wasn't a live video, but we'll return to live content as soon as possible. Mondays do make that a little bit tricky, especially after performances like that. But Imad, um, pleasure as always, mate.
1: No, Tom, thanks for having us. I've just it's just come to come to my head now. We could have just made this a real short podcast and just blame one person
0: go on yeah, that's larry yeah well larry was at the game so obviously larry he was, was at the game he was talking he before things. the game be, best day of my life absolutely love this and then about <laughs> 20 minutes before kick off he said hope you know i don't ruin my day <laughs> fast yeah. forward 20 minutes larry's in the, larry, in the gut of it
1: watching this mate can you just please leave
0: yeah don't Manchester go to, all to the greater
1: Manchester. <laughs> just, just they they come, come, mate
0: I heard a PA announcement. It must have been a parking thing or something. I heard over the, the loudspeaker at Old Trafford, it was like the 20th minute. and I listened so co- close. So could uh, Mr. Larry Taylor please find the nearest steward?
1: <laughs> just leave. We, I mean, we barely want you back here, but just leave. All, <laughs> just come back, mate.
0: <laughs> we need no, anyway.
1: no, But thanks for having us. And like you said, me and Adam, we are going to get one out this afternoon. And I know Adam's quite fired up about this. So hopefully it's a cracker.
0: No, definitely will be. As I said, that is in the description below. um, And we'll chat to you when we chat to you. Hope everyone has a good day and um, get through their Monday as smoothly as possible. And cheers.